Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create and grow income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy. Are you tired of trading your time for money? Do you desire freedom today instead of retirement in 10, 20, or 30 years? I'm MC Lobsher, and this is the Cashflow Ninja. Hello, Cashflow Ninjas. MC Lobsher here, and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today. And today, as always, looking at cash flow and cash flow through businesses. I'm joined on today's episode by my friend Ace Chapman. Uh, he's been on the show before. If you have not listened to any of the episodes that has been on, I would highly recommend it. Go to cashflowninja.com and just type in Ace Chapman and you'll find the other episodes where Ace is just dropping just uh, value bombs and value bombs uh, during those episodes. Ace, welcome back to the show. It's it's great to be back on, and you know one of the things that your your show stands out to me uh, is that we get to get into some of the nitty gritty type things that I think on some of the podcasts where uh, you know I I didn't realize this. I actually someone told me it's like man you've been on over a hundred podcasts, and in in some of the cases you've got a podcast interviewer who is a real professional podcast interviewer, but they're not out there doing deals and, and those kind of things. So the, the um, conversation ends up being kind of a bird's eye view. But I feel like when we get together, we get to get into the nitty gritty because you're out there doing these deals. I mean, we just spent <laughs> the last 20 minutes talking about some of the deals that we're doing. Uh, so I, I love these conversations. Yeah, same here, my friend. I love it. What's the saying? Like, we eat our own cooking and we don't throw up, right? Exactly. Exactly. Even even on those tough deals, we stomach it and fight through it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, for folks uh, that are hearing uh, your voice uh, the first time, um, can you share a little bit about your background or journey with them? Absolutely. So it all started, uh, which is it's a little bit painful to say. It started 21 years ago. It's, it's unbelievable that it's been that long. But I bought a business when I was 19, um, not through any uh, kind of projection of my own of, of hey, I want to be a business buyer. It was just a situation that, that came up. I was a, a user, a member of a stock market simulator. Uh, I um, was disappointed by how it was being run. I reached out to be a free intern for them uh, just because I loved the business and wanted to help and figured I could learn something. And they reached back out and said, listen, uh, <laughs> we don't even want this business. We moved on to a project that's a lot bigger. That's why the sites always crash and we don't respond on customer service. You know, the reason all of that is, is, is happening is because we've moved on to another deal. Um, and they came back to me and said, listen, if you find somebody who wants to buy this business, let us know because uh, we'd be interested in selling it. And, uh, you know, it, it all started there. I was uh, bold enough to at least ask. I knew I was a broke college kid, had a few thousand dollars in the bank, uh, but we ended up structuring that deal uh, where bought the business for 70000 It was making about sixty, and they were willing to finance half. I had a buddy that was willing to invest 15000 who you know had come from some money. And then I, I used some credit card debt, which is not something I recommend anybody does, but use credit card debt to kind of meet the, the uh, rest of that. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, you've got to, you've got to start somehow, right? Yes. <laughs> exactly. 
Absolutely. And now you're building a bit, uh, building businesses, buying and selling businesses, buying businesses and holding on to them, uh, traveling quite a bit. Uh, what uh, beautiful uh, paradise are you finding yourself in right now as we're speaking? Yeah. So in the last uh, five or six years, I've uh, gotten interested and I just started to see, man, you know, they're, they're, when you're buying businesses overseas, when you're investing in um, anything overseas, it's just a, a, a great rate of return compared to some of the opportunities and, and especially in the, not just overseas, it's in emerging markets. So you go to Europe, you're going to see similar opportunities to what we see in the U.S. But when you get into some of these emerging markets, you know, right now I'm in Colombia, um, I'm looking at some, some neat opportunities down in Argentina, but you get into some of these other countries and the rate of return uh, just is, is exponential compared to what we're used to seeing. And when you know how to structure the deal, a lot of those same principles are still the, the case. And so right now I am in Medellin. Uh, we were talking about a deal, a recent deal did here on a, a really great hotel that's turned out over the last six months to exceed uh, expectations. And so excited to do some other really cool things that, that are in the works and uh, in, in the pipeline as far as investing in some, some businesses and different opportunities here. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah. And Medellin, I mean, it, it, I've heard a lot of great things about Colombia. So it's, uh, it's got a different, um, how can I say, when people think about Colombia, they think Pablo, <laughs> right? They think Escobar, they think, because that's all you've seen on TV basically about it, right? Yeah. And it resurfaced again through the whole thing Narcos. on Netflix and, and Narcos, yeah, and so yeah. forth. But uh, so much opportunity down there. Um, it's quite, it's quite incredible. Maybe a few of some comments just, just on uh, the opportunity down there in Colombia in general. Yeah, I, I would, number one, I was the same way, uh, you know, before I came down, uh, to check out the deal, I'm like, okay, you know, is this, you know, what, what's going on? I even, I remember putting up a post on my first trip and, and my, my friends on, uh, Instagram, I was saying like, dude, don't get kidnapped. What are you doing? What are you thinking? Stay out of there. And uh, I think there are two things. Number one is just a simple principle that uh, I think most people think that they can do what everybody else does and somehow, even given those ordinary things, end up with some extraordinary results. And uh, even for me, I've had to have my paradigm shift in, in, shifted several times in my career starting with that very first one, which was, you know, when I bought that business and the income started coming in, it was like, nobody ever told me that I could buy income. You know, everybody was like, okay, this is the path. You have to go to school. You have to get a, uh, get into a really great college, get a degree, go, go get a job, save. And then one day uh, you'll, you'll be able to live financially free once you're 60. And so, you know, that was a paradigm shift. And, and then coming here and starting to invest in Colombia, that was a, a paradigm shift. Uh, starting to, I remember uh, a few years ago, buying a business from a guy in Pakistan where, you know, I got an amazing deal because nobody, is, you know, wants to deal with all of the headaches that you have to deal with, with uh, the OFAC laws and, and banks. And it was uh, quite the journey just to get this guy the money and, and close the deal uh, to the point where 
uh, just as a side note of, of some of the things you deal with in, in some of these countries, you know, we're buying an internet business, not necessarily I would recommend doing an offline deal there, but buying an internet business from a kid and, and you know, money that was going to change his fam, whole family's trajectory for generations to come. And it for us wasn't a large amount, it was a $300,000 deal. But for him, I mean, that just is, is an incredible amount of money. And so we're trying to get the funds over to him. And at first, our bank just wouldn't send it. You know, so we're getting all the verifications. We're showing, hey, we're real people. He's not a terrorist. You know, so we get the funds uh, sent. And his bank is like, no, this has to be a mistake. Like, this guy's a poor kid. You know, why is somebody sending you 300? There has to be something crazy going on here. And they sent the money back to us three times before we were able to just get him the money to, to close the deal. Uh, and, and also just you start to see, even in that case, because we were willing to deal with the headache, he basically, during the, the four or five months that we were dealing with, it was like, hey, you take the business. I know you've already put up the money. You can't get it to me. But, you know, it's, it's a kind of attitude that I think in, in these other emerging and, and uh, uh, countries where it's tougher to do business, there's such an appreciation that uh, you don't see in, in the U.S. where, you know, we just, man, we really take for granted uh, the opportunities and how easy it is to do business. I mean, we whine and cry about the most simple things. And uh, that's been a, a really refreshing thing when you get into countries like Colombia. It's like, man, they just appreciate every single opportunity, whether it's a job, whether it's an investment, whether it's uh, you, you just training and teaching them or, or giving them a different perspective. The level of appreciation and lack of uh, that uh, entitlement <laughs> that we're seeing in the U.S. is just, man, it's, it's refreshing. Yeah, motivating for me. The 1% grow their business and investments every year, regardless of the economy and marketplace, and pay very little or no taxes legally. Besides having the right mindset, elite strategies and tactics, and the counsel of elite wealth advisors, coaches, and mentors, they have access to opportunities that the rest of the population do not. If you're an accredited investor, we have a network that provides Cashflow Ninja listeners access to exclusive business and investment opportunities. To join our investors network, please apply at CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. That's CashflowNinjaInvestorsNetwork.com. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I I don't know if you want to jump into this a little bit of finding deals right now to uh, areas that that you guys are looking at. What are ways to find them? Because um, that's one of the big things, right? Is deal flow. Yeah, it is. Uh, so you know, one of the things that we've shifted is the types of deals that we've been doing. It's become a lot easier to find those deals. Is understanding the types of deals that that you're going to do. So. You know, for years I have bought businesses and it's been, um, you know, just a, a really great journey. I've helped a lot of other people buy businesses and a lot of the really great opportunities in that space uh, during a time like this where you have SBA financing and a lot of money that's, that's floating around, the multiples can get a lot higher. And so what we've done is shift into the financing side of, of the business. And the cool thing is 
uh, it's gotten a lot easier to find those deals. You know, we were talking about before we we jumped on the call, we were talking about this, the fact that, you know, I've gone to a lot of countries, I've been in a lot of cities, and in every single one, there's one thing that's consistent. The biggest buildings in all of these cities are always the banks. Uh, right up the street from me is a massive building that Bank of Columbia owns. And so, um, you know, there's a reason that those those uh, institutions all over the world consistently make so much money is that financing, uh, being kind of a financier, doing loans, doing investments when, when it comes to the investment banks is the same thing. Uh, it's a very profitable place to play. And there's a reason that, you know, we're not taught anything about that. We're taught that lending is risky. It's like, well, wait a minute. If lending is so risky, why are these banks making so much money? So we moved into that side of the business and we're doing a lot of uh, investments. You know, we're still doing a lot of equity investments into deals. Uh, we're doing a lot of asset-based loans. Um, we're doing some things like AR financing. And, you know, what we're seeing is, you know, when you're looking at a, a, a return and, and being able to uh, get cash flow from these investments, the, the return has been incredible. You know, I, and in a lot of cases, just as, as, as much income as buying the business, you know, when you're, you're talking about 35% and you, if you can buy a business at a three multiple, uh, getting a 35% return is, you know, j- just as good with a lot less work, a lot less headache, and a lot less risk. Because if something happens to that business, we have assets, we have liens that, uh, and things that we can go after. So it's lower risk, lower work, and more money. And you know, the frustrating thing for me was, how did I not see this earlier? <laughs> so uh, when it comes to finding the deals that we're doing now, a lot of the work has just been getting the word out and letting people know that, hey, we can um, find, uh, we, we can either find the money if, if we don't have it. And so, you know, the, the cool thing is everybody's facing the same issues when it comes to the cash that they have. You know, it's basically like you've got this bucket and there's a hole. Like in all of our bank accounts, there is a hole. And the hole starts with inflation. So, it just, I think we take it for granted that, you know, in, in not, what you can buy for a dollar uh, just a, a couple of years ago could have been bought with two cents in 1913. So you go back a hundred years, literally two cents could buy what a dollar could buy over the course of those hundred years. So it's it's literally just going down. So you are, are losing a ton of money when when it's sitting in an account. Uh, so you've got that hole there. Uh, and then, you know, uh, we can save it for later, but you've got opportunity costs, you've got actual losses if you if you uh, invest in the stock market. And so you've got these things that are, it's basically like a bucket and you're putting money into this hole and everybody's so focused on, as entrepreneurs on making money, making money, but you're putting it into a bucket that's losing money. And so uh, a lot of our focus has been how do we close that hole, first of all, and then turn that bucket into one where anytime we have something else that's making money and goes into that bucket, it becomes this magical bucket that turns that dollar into more money. Uh, and, and, you know, it's the magic of what, um, 
what Berkshire Hathaway has done and what Warren Buffett has done is it, it, it becomes this kind of snowball effect. It becomes this machine that every time he goes out and he finds a place to get another dollar, that dollar goes back and it's making more dollars. And then those dollars come and they're making more dollars. And it's this endless thing. Uh, so we're able to uh, not only help a small business by going direct and investing in that small business, but we're able to kind of create that, that bucket. So now what we focus on doing is putting the word out, letting people know, hey, you know, here is this, this really cool opportunity that um, uh, we can help you and you don't have to deal with the bank. And for other investors, it's, hey, you know, we, we find a lot of opportunities out there and uh, the calling card has become, um, hey, we have money. Now, the places that we find those deals, uh, it, it's, you know, even when I get into a city like Medellin, uh, you know, finding the deal has become a, a lot more fun because I get to go to a chamber of commerce. I get to go to a, 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 a co-working space and offer to speak. I get to uh, connect with entrepreneurial groups and tell them like, hey, like I actually want to give your uh, clients money. <laughs> and then all of the, those people you know, I teach them what I'm looking for so that they're referring me deals that are in kind of the the market that we want to go after. My friend Brian Page has created a cash flow machine generating over $100,000 in six months without owning any real estate. His system consists out of renting properties from property owners and renting them out on Airbnb. His system is so simplistic, it can be managed by virtual assistants and yet so effective and powerful that it predictably generates cash flow every month. Brian and I are hosting a webinar where he shares his system and how it generated over $100,000 in six months for him personally. You can access this life-changing webinar at cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. This is one of the greatest cash flow opportunities I've seen since I've started my podcast. Again, the URL is cashflowninja.com forward slash BNB. Well, I tell you, it's so exciting to, you know, to speak with you again and to see this kind of business model, because this is something that, as you know, we talk about quite a bit, this concept of creating a, your own banking system. And there's so many different ways of how to do it. The concept of, um, you know, the concept of, of being the bank, right? Mm -hmm. um, because banks know the, their return on equity right? They know that, you know, if I have a million dollars and I put, you know, $800,000 out there that's earning me 10%, yeah, that's 80,000 a year. That's great. But what's the other 200,000 doing? Mm -hmm. What can I do more efficiently with that where I park my cash to increase my rate of return on the overall portfolio, right? They know opportunity cost tying into that. What's the opportunity cost of that 200,000 just sitting there idly, just as you, and as yeah. you mentioned, just getting sucked away by inflation. And then the concept of, of dollar maximization of just $1, just doing so many different things. So it's so uh, exciting to see how on the one side, you guys are still putting your feelers out there, looking at deals, buying equity, you know, buying companies for cash flow, buying income. But on the other side, through asset-based lending, you're looking at, well, you know, 
just as a bank would lend a business based on its receivables and the assets of the business, the bank would lend that business money. You guys are kind of incorporating that business model uh, within your business as well. Exactly. And it helps the acquisitions happen. So, um, you know, one of the things with, with my personal business model is as I started to do more deals, you know, where we are right now, there are about 40 businesses in, in my portfolio, uh, 38 to be exact. So obviously I can't run 38 businesses. So uh, what I am is, is more of an advisor and an investor. And in those businesses, if I come in, I take an equity position. The other thing, we just did this, we bought a 3D animation company and the company was uh, doing you know, re- really well. Uh, but during the acquisition, it was like, all right, we, we're, we've got, if we spend all the money, there won't be cash in the bank once we close. And you know, we wanna have a little bit extra cash. And so um, I was able with some other investors to do a royalty financing. So I'm an equity investor, but I can spend my time trying to figure out, all right, what are, what are the right financing structures or fin- uh, financings that you need to get access to for this business? that will will work well for the cash flow of the business and you know in addition to being an equity investor and and, you know it it creates these other very cool things where now i've got that uh cash flow that's coming in on a consistent basis i own some equity for the upside there's dividends in that come out uh for the equity as well uh so with it's almost diversification within each deal that we're, we're doing. So just like you're talking about, whether it's equipment leasing, uh, asset-based loans, uh, factoring, you want to start looking at what are the opportunities within this business outside of what everybody is thinking about, which is either I'm going to own the business, I'm starting the business, or you know, uh, I'm investing in the equity. Yeah. It's it's very interesting stuff because it ties into the concept that, you know, the price of the deal or the deal itself, yeah, that's one thing. How it's structured and finance and the different diversification angles, you know, maybe there's an equity piece, maybe there's a debt piece in it. That could really, um, really make the your overall strategy that much more powerful and serves a little bit as as some risk management. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It, it, it um, gives you diversification in how that money's coming in. Uh, and probably the most important thing is uh, just the, the concept of, um, w- w- you know, we were talking about this before we jumped on. When you go into a convenience store, you expect to pay a, a higher amount for that Snickers bar than you would if you go to Costco and you buy a box of them. And, you know, it's very simple, like you're going a little bit closer to the source. Now, if you had a connection with the Snickers manufacturer and you could just go straight to the Snickers manufacturer and and pay the cost that Costco is paying, now you're paying even less. And so that's what we're trying to encourage people to do is, you know, when it comes to our dollars and and the investments that we, we make, we're taught, okay, find a financial advisor, which is essentially a salesperson. And, uh, the, you know, they're taught to sell this stuff. And behind them are all of these institutions that are making money off of that investment before you get your money. And, and so we're telling people like, you know, that business that went to that investment bank and got them to take them public and 
you know, they make a big fee and now they go to their financial advisor and say, hey, we're going to give you commission if you can convince this person to, to buy that. And now they're getting a fee. And then you got to hope because, you know, you, somebody has to buy this from you. You got to hope that they're willing to pay more so that you can make money. It's like, instead of all of that, there's a business right down the street or there's a business that you can go and get in a crazy return that's in the emerging market and you can go direct. And, and that's what shifts that return um, from being that, that measly five, six, 7%, which after inflation still goes down to a measly 3%, you can end up with a, a 25%, 30%. And it just makes such a, a huge difference that, you know, it's, it's funny. It's, I, now for me, it's almost like propaganda, how convinced people are that it's too risky for them to do that directly. Like it, it's, it's almost shocking. It's like, okay, you, you, again, like we see banks do this every day. You know, Goldman Sachs is an investment bank. We associate investment with risk. Like we're told by the financial advisor, like, hey, you have to take this risk if you want to make money. Well, why has Goldman Sachs made money like every quarter for forever. <laughs> how, you know, how they managed to do that. If, you know, this is a risk thing, you're going to make money, you're going to lose money. You know, in a in hundred years, they've had like two quarters where they lost money. Like that's not, you know, that uh, I want to be on that 98% win rate. So it's, it's, it's leveraging those, those strategies and, and trying to go as direct as possible and to stop buying your investments from the convenience store. And yeah. it's, it is convenient. That's why, they're, they're, you know, you've got to do some more work to go this other route. But, uh, you know, that, that convenience comes at a huge, huge cost. That's exactly what I say to folks too. It's hard work. It's, you know, wealth, building your own wealth. Uh, I think it was, is it Henry Ford that had a quote? And I, and my audience know I butcher quotes a lot, but it's essentially that, you know, st- if you're working too hard, you don't have enough time to make money, right? Exactly. If you spend too much time working, you're not going to have enough time to make money. And um, it's a, it's a, it's a different kind of skill set uh, with the two. And to your point, you know, you can copy, you can study what these people do. You can study what Berkshire Hathaway does and Warren Buffett and his team. You could study what Goldman does. You can study what banks do, which is just fascinating um, because they, they figure it out. And even insurance companies, you can figure out, you know, some of the principles and strategies that these guys have and implement it within your own business and in your own wealth creation system, rather than just handing over your cash to someone else because they've convinced you that they know more than you do, or they know what's best for you, right? Yeah, yeah. It was incredible <laughs> for me to learn. You know, I had started doing some accounts receivable financing, and you know, we're, we're throwing out a lot of terms and things, and I think that's one of the things that intimidates people. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, just as a side note, I think it's important to uh, note that it is that intimidation that makes this such a great opportunity. It's the fact that every other average person that thinks, oh, like the stock market, that's something that I can do, or real estate, that's something that I can do. Uh, but accounts receivable, financing investors, like, what is that? Like, I can't do that. Uh, that is why the opportunity exists. And, you know, it was really interesting for me. I kind of had happened into that because I bought a business where I saw what they were paying. They were paying 30% a year 
uh, to this accounts uh, receivable fund. I'm like, man, like this is craziness. And so after I bought that business, we we stopped doing that and I started doing it for some other people in the industry. And so it was cool to, to start reading the Goldman Sachs story and um, and realize like that's really how that whole thing started. Like they were, they were just doing accounts receivable financing and uh, you know making it easy for folks and and you know turned into the the ginormous monster that it is today. So I think that's that's a, a big part of this is just realizing it's uh, it's a easy it's easier um, once you get over the hump and and knowledge barrier just because there is no competition. You know what I mean? MC Lobshire, the creator of the Cashflow Ninja and Cashflow Coach at Producers Wealth, where we help our clients integrate infinite banking with their business and investments. To learn how you can create your own banking system to turbocharge your investments and business in 30 days or less, go to yourownbankingsystem.com. That's yourownbankingsystem.com. And it's and it's also just trying to figure out what you have that you can use and leverage to then start the process, right? Um, great book, uh, The Mystery of Capital, um, is a, is a, is a great read, basically. And essentially, the one of the central themes of that book is what capital is and how capital mm-hmm. can be used and why capitalism has been so successful in in the West because you can literally take an asset collateralize that asset, extract capital from that asset to acquire another asset, right? Just in the, is this an example, a business, a guy that, or a gal that starts a business and does well, can then take the the numbers of that business, you know, the receivables and the assets of that business to get more capital, to expand their business, to hire more people, purchase more inventory and products and sell more and scale and so forth. You know, the same with you know, in the West, everybody knows that they, you know, with a house, a HELOC is a very good example of that. And we talk about different other ways to do it besides a business line of credit and HELOCs and, you know, um, policy loans from high cash value life insurance, you know, and so forth. So, um, so that's the, the central theme of this is, you know, understanding how you can collateralize assets and you can be the person on the other side that has something placed as collateral from let's just say a business and you could be the lender in that case exactly which is exactly. which is so powerful um I, if you don't mind talk talk to us a little bit about um some of the because a big part of your business is 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 finding other businesses to purchase uh-huh. um, negotiating a little bit the deal structuring yep. the deal doing your due diligence and then um, figuring out ways to raise capital to close that deal if you could yeah. uh, share with folks a little bit um, about it's just a cycle of how that operates and works within your world yeah um, to, to even piggyback talking about negotiating then moving to deal structuring to moving to raising capital uh, a little bit of it it still even ties into what you were just saying which is you know it becomes easier to do deals when you understand the the difference between what can be an asset and a liability and this was one of those things that uh, was a huge paradigm shift for me when i realized Oh wait, uh, you know, I, I, bought, I remember buying a, a mortgage company, and it's been probably fourteen years ago. And um, you know, realizing like, okay, for a bank, our loans are their assets. 
And then they can go and borrow against those loans to do another one. And so, um, you know, when we're doing deals and I'm trying to negotiate, I'm trying to do a deal structure, I see that as a potential asset. You know, that note becomes as soon as you do a note, um, that becomes an asset. I, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I know we're, we're squeezing a lot into a little bit of time, but I, I think one of the mistakes that people make is thinking that uh, some small amount of money isn't enough to start thinking this way or start leveraging these, these strategies. And, you know, there, there are two points that uh, you want to consider, you know, cause I think, you know, even when I talk about negotiating and deal structuring, I think people that may have five grand in the bank are like, okay, that doesn't apply to me. Like how, what can I get out of this? But uh, you know, the, the, there are a couple things about that. Number one, you know, when I go to these other countries and realize like, man, People would would kill to be able to save and 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 get five thousand dollars in the bank, and, and so not taking that for granted and treating that like the true asset that it is 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 crucial. And um, the the other part of that is, I, you know, I'm just a believer that however you treat that that few hundred dollars is also how you're going to treat the million dollars. And so you want to start building those uh, skill sets and. So when, when I'm putting together deals now, and, and this will differ from when we talked before, is I'm looking at all of the potential assets that uh, come to play in that business on both ends. So if I'm selling a business, now I'm happy to have a note. And now when I sell that business and I create a note with that, that seller, I've got an asset that I can go and collateralize and, and borrow against. I'm able to sell that seller on that now. And there are just so many deals that <laughs> are, uh, are, are, I wish I could go back and, and, and talk about from this new perspective. And, it, you know, the new perspective, it, it took me 21 years to, to, uh, to kind of get. And so, you know, right now we're trying to sum it up in, in 30 minutes, but um, you know, from that new perspective, when I'm talking to that, that seller of business that I'm buying, I'm able to train them and teach them that, hey, get excited to loan me money. Get excited to have a deal where you don't get all of the cash up front because this is still going to be an asset. It's going to pay you. You're going to make more money than you would if you put, if you take this money, if you took the cash, just like we, we talked about, and you like, tell me about your bucket. And, and let me show you that you've got a hole in that bucket. And so what you're saying is you want to take some cash and let it start and put it into, you know, just like pouring the water in, you want to pour this water in and, and let it start leaking out the bottom immediately. So let me show you how, instead of getting that, this is a better bucket. This, this uh, loan creates a bucket that's making more money for you and that can be leveraged to do e even other deals that you want to do. So now you can collateralize that and borrow against this note that you have to go out and do another deal. And so, you know, it's one of the reasons I want to talk about negotiating. It's this is such a powerful perspective because it, 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 it kind of flows into everything. When you're talking about um, doing the, the deal structure, it helps to get the deal structure that you need. And, and then you get creative uh, because now that I'm working with investors, you know, I've talked about the royalty deal on the 3D animation studio that we just bought. 
Um, when I'm doing royalty deals on other businesses, I get to interact with other investors. And so my portion of that investment is smaller, but because I found the deal, you know, cash wise, cause I'm dealing with a couple of guys that have a lot more money than I do. And so I've got a smaller portion, but I found the deal. I'm putting together the structure. They don't like having holes in their bucket. That's one of the things you re- realize about wealthy people is they got that way. And that's why I tell people, if you got a hundred dollars, it's, it, it's even more important that you think like this and start treating that hundred dollars like this. Uh, then the person has got a million, they're already there. <laughs> yep. So you're the person that needs to start thinking like this, not, Oh, once I get millions, I'm going to start thinking about this. It's, it's hilarious that, that that's how we're, we're, we're taught to think like, Oh, once you get rich, figure out all these complicated things. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> so when it, when it comes to the deal structure, I'm able to do it with that perspective. And then that last part, when it comes to raising capital, it becomes really, really cool. When, when you're taking other people's deals to investors and saying, hey, this is a really cool deal. I understand how to structure this. Here's how we can get a return. Here's how we're going to be protected. Here's the upside. And you come to the table with, with that deal, you can still earn a, a great return that's going to be a lot more just because you brought the deal to the table. And then even when you're going to do your own acquisition or you're raising capital, they're like, hey, I know this guy knows his stuff. Like, of course, like, you know, if you get into trouble, you're going to be able to figure out three ways to get out of it. Uh, so it, be, it becomes a, a lot easier to, to pull that off. And then the, the last piece, closing the deal and, and, you know, in, in a case where you may be operating a business, when you've got these tools at your disposal and, you know, you're learning how all of this stuff works. And when, when you get into trouble, you've got a huge leg up on the average entrepreneur that, you know, they're an expert at Facebook marketing. They're an expert at hiring. They're an expert at, you know, operations and training and management. But when it comes to thinking like a deal maker, thinking like a, a financier, um, you know, it's, it's funny because th- this whole thing, there's not even uh, uh, a lot of words to use to describe it because it's not in our wheelhouse. Like everybody, you go into a party, you ask somebody, um, you know, do you know somebody that invests in real estate? And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know plenty of people that invest in real estate. Yeah, somebody, oh, you know somebody that trades stock. Oh, I know a lot of folks. And then you ask them, like, hey, you know anybody that, like, does things like a bank? It's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, there's not even, uh, you know, the old school word is financier. And so I, I use that. But it's just being able to look at any business, look at any situation, and see all the opportunities that exist to bring tools that, that are out there, like, you know, we've discussed whether it is AR financing, asset-based lending equipment. I mean, it, you know, we have a, a list of about a hundred different types of financing that exists and down to a deal. I just financed some, some uh, bands for a plumber and got some equity on top because he needed the bands. He's already doubled the business. He uh, is, I've got an amazing interest rate plus a, a, a equity kicker plus the vans to back the whole deal. And so uh, just some really fun, creative things that can be done that even if you're an entrepreneur, you want to understand this stuff before you get into situations. 
uh, because you're going to be able to to dig the business out of any trouble that you get in, leveraging some of these tools. Life settlement investments have allowed financial and banking institutions to not only buy their equity contractually, but also diversify their capital from any economic market and geopolitical risk. It's been part of the billion dollar blueprint followed by institutional investors. And if you're an accredited investor, you can also now participate in this vehicle with enormous growth potential. You can watch an informational webinar presented by one of the premier organizations providing life settlement investments for number solutions at cashflowninja.com forward slash life settlements. What are some of the things that you're doing um, from a due diligence perspective on niches? Mm. And because, uh, you know, I was thinking before our um, our call today, uh, I'm like, I got to ask Ace this because you just look at certain business niches and then you're like, man, there's so much disruption. And these days it's coming from outside of the business too, right? Mm. Like uh, Tesla is a good example, you know, battery company basically that's their (laughs) that's their uh it's really a a battery company that's disrupting you know the automobile or will disrupt the automobile industry and i I guess you can argue that uber and airbnb is they're not you know a cab company or a hospital they're more of a technology company right yeah so uh, what are some of the things that you look at from a from a due diligence risk management perspective, if you're just looking at industries and looking at different types of businesses? Yeah, I mean, there, it's, it's changing all the way around. You know, at the World Economic Forum, uh, they were talking about the fact that, you know, these last 10 years uh, have been really, really good, but every, we're basically at a peak for, uh, uh, for everything almost. It's like the peak of everything. You know, oil is is most likely just never going to be more used, more valuable than it is right now. And so when you look at the destruction, slow destruction, it won't be instant. And I think that's what people get confused. It's like, oh, like, well, gas cars aren't going away. It's like, yeah, but a 1% decrease a year over the next 10 years is huge for that. I mean, you're talking Mm. trillions of dollars. And in each uh, one of these industries, automobiles is a, another one that, that you mentioned. It's because of Tesla, but it's also because of, you know, I'm in uh, Colombia right now, like we mentioned, and there are 10 very, you know, different companies like Uber. And, and so, you know, you, you look at the convenience of being able to call up a car. People don't need that in, in America uh, in addition to that, everybody's moving back to cities over s- the suburbs. And so, you know, people just don't need cars as, as, as much as they did in the past and don't want them. This is the first time that, you know, teenagers in, in droves are just like, yo, like, I don't want a car. You know, the car was the, the biggest thing, you know, you dreamed of as a kid. Uh, before and now kids are like man just give me uh, 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 some uber credit give me a ton of uber credit so I can go wherever I want and be driven there by basically a chauffeur why would I want to get a car that's crazy it was the first time that uh, millennials don't want to buy a house so all of these things are basically at peak and it's it's slowly uh, going down on on the other side and, you know, while that's going to create a lot of destruction, I think it's creating a ton of opportunity. 
And, you know, one of the, the opportunities is in this kind of financing uh, arena. I think it's more dangerous to start a business today just because the changes are so massive. Um, you know, I look at, you know, businesses like FBA businesses built on, on Amazon, new business that was doing 12 million a year that Amazon made some changes, decided to uh, create a similar product and, and sell it for themselves. And what do you think is going to come up for your product? It's going to be Amazon's virgin that's going to take a lot of your business. So, it, it, you know, those kind of things, it creates a lot of risk. Uh, but when you're diversified, and you know, it's one of the reasons that I have 38 companies is uh, that that diversification. And then within those companies, I want diversification. Uh, I think that it's uh, it, that's the only way that you can combat it because you're going to have some of those companies that uh, grow and and benefit from it. You know, I've had companies that triple in a year and, and that kind of thing, and then you have other ones that. Uh, essentially go away and, and disappear. And the only way to protect yourself is to, to, to diversify. And the downside, you know, I've, I've always kind of preached uh, uh, the, that most people shouldn't be entrepreneurs, but they can definitely take over a business that's working. Uh, but the downside now to being an entrepreneur is that you could pour your time into something that you just can't get back. It's one thing to lose some some money, but to pour a ton of time into into something when you could be gaining a a, a skill set like some of the things that we're talking about here, and and lose that because the there's a shift in the market. Um, that's the the real danger. So uh, I think that's that's one part, and then the other. Uh, part of due diligence outside of diversification is is really deal structure. You know, when I talk about that plumbing deal, that's a, it's it's you know you're doing the normal due diligence things, um, and you know I think that's really important. But I learned in training other clients that the best way to get good at due diligence is to do deals. I've tried to teach people how to do due diligence. And, you know, you can have a checklist and, and that kind of thing, but due diligence is an art. It's just not, if, if it were a science that you could say, here, check off this, check off that, check off that, then everybody would, and, and then if you check off these things, your deal is going to work. That list would be gold. Everybody would follow that list and every deal would work if, as long as you followed that list, but it, it doesn't work that way. It's much more of an art than it is a, a science. And so you have to go out and, and do it in order to, to gain that, that knowledge. But, you know, it, it comes down to those three things. When I think about due diligence, you've got to diversify, uh, which that's the real protection. You've got to deal. You've got to do the right deal structure, which that's the next layer of protection. And then the third level of protection is the actual due diligence, which you're going to get best at that by going out and doing deals and protecting yourself during those deals with the first two. Yeah, ab absolutely. And then also look at, you know, look at th certain things that will be around, right? I'm just yeah. thinking, I, I know you and I probably, I talked a little bit about it uh, in previous interviews, but like the children market, you know, I've got two young kids. I, I know the amount of money people spend on children and things for children, right? And, um, you know, weddings is another one. Then obviously the life cycle of, of you know, yeah, funeral, funerals. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we're born, we, we grow up, we get married, we have families and then we pass, we pass on. Right. And then, uh, 
the plumbing example is a great example because I just think about that as a niche right now. Man, it is a great business to be in because there's a lot of cities with with aging infrastructure, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's not going away. You know, right. no matter, we're definitely not at the point where we're going to stop pooping. Right. No, no. And we're just not <laughs> going to let a lot pipes. Of going on and, and we want that to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're just not going to leave the pipes like the aqueducts, like the Roman aqueducts, which some of them are still running, by the hey, way. Hey, yeah, you know? they are, which yeah. is unreal. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's very interesting. So if you're listening to this, think of things similar to that. Those are just low hanging, you know, pieces of low hanging fruit that I was picking up, but there, there's definitely a lot of great opportunities um, and industries and niches that not, might not be as um, you know open to disruption yet. There's yeah. obviously things to do inside of them uh, within that, those niches, but they're not going away soon. So um, this has been great, Ace. Always always enjoy our conversations. Where can listeners learn more about uh, you, what you do, all of the things that you're involved in, uh, and uh, yeah, where, where, where can they where can they touch base with you? Yeah, man. I feel like we're always we're slowly chipping the the, the tip of the iceberg. You know, we, we always uh, get into some good stuff here. So uh, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, we are going to uh, make something available to your listeners uh, if they want to email me ace at acechapman dot com and uh, request the secret recording. Uh, just put that in your title. We did a uh, a training and a question answer kind of interview for a high end, um, uh, pretty expensive coaching mastermind. And you know, it's not anything that's made public, but uh, we'll we'll give you your your listeners and and uh, subscribers free access. So if they they send an email, ace at acechapman dot com. Uh, with the in the subject line, just put secret recording, and we'll send them the link to that. Outside of that, feel free to check out uh, YouTube. You can search Ace Chapman, and in Instagram, I'm Ace Chapman. Awesome, awesome. Well, always a pleasure to speak with you, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge and uh, your journey. And uh, enjoy your time down there in Medellin. I appreciate it. Talk soon. All right, buddy. presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objectives, situation and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.